He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Praise the Lord and welcome to the question and answer segment of this program. I realize during my conferences and even after that we all come and we have questions, we have dilemmas, and we have issues. Everybody has issues, no matter who you are. The woman with the issue of blood was not the only woman with issues. Hers was an issue of blood, but we have issues in all our lives. And I am no wise sage or any super woman. But I know by experience. For the Bible says, I have learned by experience, you know. So I know ex by experience that the Bible has the answer. That the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in a very dark and dreary world. And it is the counsel of God that by his grace I seek to bring to the people of God. I have no wisdom of my own, but only the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Therefore, let us just relax, trust in the Holy Spirit to bring us answers, trust in the Holy Spirit to be a wonderful counselor in this segment, and trust God to bring us answers. Beloved, I am not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Cause Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Be blessed as you listen. How can I win souls for the Lord? I'm deeply moved, but how? For people to be saved. Jesus said, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into the harvest. 
So sometimes you can't go yourself, but you can pray for laborers to be sent to people's lives. And then also you can pray for people to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Then you can also talk to anybody you come across. The people in your house, the people on the street, the people around you, you can talk to them. It's all an opportunity to witness. Amen. We are encouraged. You want to do more for the Lord. I have a very confidential matter I would want to ask, but I want to know if I could send it via Facebook. Yes, you can. Please help me. What should I do if my husband gives chop money fully? But when you want him to assist you to do something, he refuses. I see him as someone who is lazy. I don't know if your husband has a pastor. But if he has a pastor, you can report him to the pastor. And come with him to the pastor. And the pastor will talk to both of you. Sometimes you say he's lazy. Are you sure that it's laziness? Maybe he can't afford it. And you are driving him beyond what he can afford. That one to exist. Lazy men also exist. Amen. And so I would say that maybe you should also look for other sources of income. I don't say go and be a prostitute or say I brought other sources of income. No. But look for other ways in which you can augment the family budget. Isn't it? Most of our mothers did that. And some of them were even single parents. So you can do that. Maybe he gives you just pocket money, but to help him, something else, he won't help. Number one, I say you can report him to his pastor. Number two, maybe that there is really not there. So you may have to supplement it if you can. And you may need to have more ideas, like the virtuous woman. The Bible says she considers a field and she buys it. So you may need to do that as well. And then also, you can cut down on waste. There's a lot of waste in our homes because of the type of households and things we have. And they live almost like they are princes or kings or something. I mean, when they cook rice, they cook more than is necessary. When you ask, they say, oh, it's spoiled. Oh, it's as if they lived in some mansion and they came and therefore they don't regard anything. So you may have to open your eyes a bit more and monitor your things a bit more. I'm talking about ways of saving money. And then also, if he's a phlegmatic and does not move, does not do anything, who can make that which is crooked straight? Only God can. So only God can change him. So the key of acceptance will be your way of escape. And then God himself will speak to him. Now, having said that, sometimes the women play an enabling role. Whenever the man doesn't do that, you show him up. Whenever he does, you cover up for him. So he doesn't see the effect of what he's doing. I am not saying you should punish him. But I'm saying that sometimes we should allow reality to hit people. Because when reality hits people, they sit up. Do you understand? But sometimes, some people, their husbands are always in debt. And you're always paying. You're always bailing him out. Let it come to a point when he's in debt, he comes and you don't have. Some people, they even go and borrow to give. I know a lady like that in the States. She has borrowed. Now, please and things are following her. And when she was going to borrow, she borrowed in her name. Because she had a good credit record. The husband has blown everything. Blown the business. Blown the... And I mean now, she's still paying. And she doesn't even know the amount. Because he went to arrange everything and she signed. So she doesn't even know what is left. She has a good job and everything, but no money because of that. 
in that case, you have become like an Ananias and Sapphira or Jezebel. You are enabling somebody to walk in a path that is not healthy. So if at a point you leave it so that the bank can write to him and say, Mr. So-so-and-so, you owe so-so-and-so, you have not brought this. That sometimes helps the person to sit up and the constant bailing out. So the Lord give you wisdom. And also when you are doing it, ask yourself, what kind of spirit am I sensing? If you sense revenge, yes, you will see. Then it may not be the right spirit in which you are doing that. But many women do that. For instance, some people are married to drunkards. And they are always covering up for the drunkard. When people come and say, where's your husband? Oh, he worked late. He's sleeping. Oh, he, so he never changes because you always have a canopy around him. But at a point, you have to allow him to fall into the gutter, be picked up. When he sees a few sores, it may change him. Because the Bible says a man is not corrected by mere words. You speak and speak and speak. Even servants are not corrected by mere words. So I pray that this will be helpful to you. Also, because of time constraints, I don't often have the time to go into detail about everything. But you see, all these questions and answers, they are the same every time. And they are on CD. I'd like to be more like the flawless lover. It's not easy. How can I keep trying? Um, yesterday I was talking about more of you falling in love with the flawless lover. But not you becoming a flawless lover. Because you are flawed from the beginning. And you live in the body from the beginning. But if you want to have a flawless lover, then you have to believe that nothing can satisfy you. You have to believe it. Like the woman at the well. Because when you believe it, then you will stop chasing, stop looking. So, but most of us don't believe it. And when I say that, oh, God really gives fulfillment eh, from the way. She, she's married and she's saying God gives fulfillment. And what, but no matter who you are married to, there's an area in you that only God can speak to. There are certain things in you that only God can minister to. And like we saw in the drama, he's your maker. Like he said in Isaiah 54. He's the one who made you. He knows you, where you've been. All the things that you have hidden from your husband, he, he knows. It's not hidden to him. He knows where to bring. So the first thing I would say is that the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So when he loves you, then decide in your heart to love him back. If you love him back, if you love me, obey my commandments. Do you understand? So it brings you back to the word. It brings you up to worship and fellowship. You may not always be excited about prayer, but if you persist, you will soon begin to love to pray. You may not always be excited about Bible study, but if you persist, you will soon begin to, your heart will turn. And then also a prayer prophet that the Lord will lead your heart into the love of God. So it's a, a good prayer to pray. Do you see? And the Bible says that set your affection your affection is in your hand. You decide where you want to set it. I can't preach the whole message, but listen to the message time and again. And I think that you will be able to fall in love with the flawless lover. How can I stop quarreling, complaining with the people around me, especially my beloved, by stopping? Amen. Because you are a Christian, believe that God has given you the power to overcome. And ask for divine strength. You have it. And decide that you are prepared to suffer for what is right. Because Peter said, if for doing what is right you suffer, then blessed are you. So sometimes you suffer for doing what is right. But Peter said, when you do that, a blessing comes into your life. Blessed are you. 
Amen. So if you know that you are, you said you complain, you are saying it to yourself, thank God for the Holy Ghost. And you want to stop. God, you are a good candidate. God will help you because you want to stop. Quarreling, complaining with the people around you. So you have to recognize that it's a problem you have. Because you say with the people around me, especially my beloved. So you are predisposed to quarreling. It could also be that you grew up in an atmosphere where there was always complaining. There was always fighting. There was always arguing about something. So sometimes you don't know that you are imbibing that. But before you know when you've grown up, you feel that that is the norm. That is normal. You know, you are, you are used to your mother always facing your father. So when you do it, you don't see anything wrong. When you become a Christian, you become a new creature. So ask God for strength to stop. If you like, be accountable to a friend. Who, when you are coming to manifest, not you say, hey, sister, 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 it's coming. It's coming. And in the world, they also say about anger that before you manifest, count ten times. So when somebody says something, oh, funkeba. One, two, three, and this thing. No, no. I'm putting my body under. No. By the count of ten, you would have come down. Decide to yourself that I will not respond now. I will not talk immediately when I'm told something. I will not. My tongue, I'll keep it sealed. And I think that that will help you. Before you drive everybody around you away. What can I do to see the good side of my beloved? By looking for them. Amen. The Bible says, count your blessings. Name them one, and it will surprise you. It always surprises us, but we are not looking out for blessings. We are looking out for what is wrong with our marriage, what is wrong with even ourselves. When you dress up, you don't say, oh, my dress is nice. What is this on my face? What is it? You concentrate more on what is wrong with you than what is okay. So it's a human predisposition, you know. So sit down and write good things about my beloved. Sit down and write it. Good things about my beloved. Number one, what? What attracted you to him? Number one, number two, number three, number four. When you sit down and write it, then every day you say one. Oh, you are so kind. Number one. Number two, you are so patient. Number three, you are so, and then it's working. Okay? So I think, because. Oh, I didn't finish. Okay, because sometimes I think there's something or somebody better somewhere. Sister, you are not sure of your position. And you are not sure whether you are the one he really loves. So you need to be sure about that. And even human love it's conditional. If you cook nice food, you are loved. If you talk nicely, you are loved. If you bless in the bedroom, you are loved. But if you don't cook, if you don't, you are not loved. But the flawless lover is not like that. So even human love has its own. So first of all, you have to accept the love of God for yourself. And then you have to love yourself. However I am, I'm desirable. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm, and all these are messages. How to overcome rejection, daughter, when you are rejected, and all. Look, get the messages, it will change. And woman, who are you? Will also speak to you and help you. 
to know who you are. Then when you know who you are, without being proud, you know that he's blessed to have a woman like me in his life. But every time you think, oh, uh, there's somebody better somewhere that he's looking for. That at the beloved stage, then don't marry him. Because at the marriage stage, it will be difficult. So allow yourself to be healed properly. Okay, or come or go, come or go for pastoral counseling. <laughs> Amen. But get these messages, I think it will answer. I'm unhappy. Hey, it's very long, a letter. Thesis. We have been married for the past 19 years. We have two houses rented out and live in my mother-in-law's two-room apartment. The children are growing. The place is no longer comfortable for us. I want us to move. The children are not happy and cannot bring their friends. I can't take my chapel members home. The place is filled to the porch with old chairs, tables, and junk. He won't let us give them out. And we are all unhappy. But he doesn't care. And I'm planning to eject one tenant and move with the children. But I'm afraid of the consequences. What should I do? That's a tall one. What should you do? Hmm. Who does your husband listen to? Most of the time, everybody has somebody they listen to. Some people is an uncle. Some people is a pastor. Some people is a politician. Who do they listen to? So if you could find that person. But sometimes those people too, they are like, hey man, they don't give good advice. You know, so look for somebody your husband listens to. And talk to the person to talk to him. I don't know whether you have prayed about it. But pray that God will make the place so uncomfortable for him. That he will come and say that you should move out. You see, when I was in Legon, I was reminding Lady Pastor Adele yesterday. There was a guy. He used to come to our room, blaspheme. Christ this, Christ that. And we used to go to the gardens to pray every Friday. So one Friday we said, today we are laying aside our stomach for this blasphemer. May he never know peace. May he be disturbed. May he be restless. May things never work out for him. The prayer was answered earlier than we knew. This was Friday. Sunday he came to our room. He said that, these days I don't like the way my life is going. I feel restless and I feel... Hey! The Lord is answering our prayer. So pray that the Lord himself will light a fire. That will make him want to move. And then maybe you should tell, ask him, so can I move one tenant... And move out. Do you understand? If he listens to your mother or he doesn't want your mother to know, it depends on who he listens to. But I will tell you that your situation is not an easy situation. Because you are in it, you can see, and the person is not budging. Maybe he's used to staying with his mother. He loves his mother's presence. I had a friend who was married every it's Sunday. Hoba. Hoba is Sunday. Every Hoba, she would make fufu for the son and not give the daughter-in-law. Every Sunday. She come and stand there. Nee, hug by her so the boy will go and eat. And the wife wanted to move so much. And then I told her, light a fire spiritually. So she was there when her husband said, we have to move. But now they've moved by the grace of God. So I'm saying it to encourage you. You see, and if your husband is in the church, then come and see me. I will call him and I will ask him, so why are you not moving? Maybe he thinks that this house brings income and you complain too much. So why can't you be here? And all this. And then maybe he also grew up in that environment. Or even less than that. And then he feels that you should feel blessed. Rather, you want to go. 
see. So, but also fight your battles on your knees. It works. Okay, it really works. What do you do when you give all to help women in your church and become a mother, sister, friend, etc.? And later, these people, these people thought you gave out yourself to have suddenly become cold towards you. Uh, that you have given, okay. You have asked them why, and they say it's nothing. They are like dangerous sons. When you see them, you are not sure of them. You think they are pretending. I always tell pastor's wives, not everybody in your church, not every woman in your church is called to be a root to you. Some of them are called to be opus. And some of them may not even come on the journey with you at all. You have to accept it and celebrate what God has given you. Look at your church. These Samway people, are they not? The, the people who are all right are more than the Samway people. Why do you spend your energy? They look Samway. They are pretending. Leave it to God. And you just flow. Not that flow that they are your body, body, but flow with a good spirit towards them. But God will always give you a route. Who will go all the way? Who will say that where you die, I will die. Where you are buried, there will I be buried. And the Lord do more so to me if I go not with you. And all that. Look for the roots that God has given you. The roots and the building of the relationship is so much work that you won't have time for the office in your life. So learn it. But we expect everybody to love us. Everybody to uh, want our well-being. Everybody to be excited about our marriages. Everybody to be excited about your husband. It's not like that. Even Jesus had people not happy with him. Does he have to concentrate on the Pharisees? And, so why are they not accepting? They are the religious leaders. Why are they pretending? Why do they want to kill me? Hey, you have energy. Stop using energy on foolish things. And concentrate on things that work. And the Lord will bless you for it. Amen. If they come your way and they want any good you can do, just do it to them. But don't join the quarrel. Fly with the eagles. Don't scratch with the uh, hens. Every day in the sun, they bring you down to chicken level. Hey, walk in Holy Ghost class. Hallelujah. And fly above all these issues. In Jesus' name. Please, Auntie Mommy, my husband is away in another country and every time he calls, it's always about how starved he is in the bedroom. As a child, he has own said, I'm, <laughs> I'm not always comfortable with the discussion. And told him so. Now he tries not to talk about it. Should I be worried? Very worried. Very, 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 very. Who should he talk to about that? You want him to find a solace somewhere. It is very some way. Should you be worried? You should be. <laughs> now, he tries not to talk about it. Should I be worried? He has visited some modeling website to look at the model. Temptations are sure to come, but woe to them by whom? Could it be that it has come by you? The temptation has come by you. Woe to them by whom they come. It would be better. If a millstone was cast around your neck and you were sunken in the sea. That's what Jesus said. Who should he talk to? He talks about it too much. He's a man. Or you think he's a woman? So repent quickly. And now call and you start to talk about it. Oh, how? I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, how? Faith. Talk by faith. 
Go and call him after this meeting. And he'll say, hey, why has my wife changed so much? Something on the inside. I heard Bishop saying in some preaching that love is not about feelings. And we need love to build a home. Do you think we can build a good home with someone we like as a friend? What can, we, what can I do to become more mature to get married? How to be marriageable? How to be found? That's your answer. And then, do you think we can build a good home with someone we like as a friend? Well, for a woman, I think that you need more than friendship to be in a relationship. Amen. Women need to be in love. Because if not, the nonsense, they will not stand for it. If not, they will not stand for it. They will just walk out. Because women are often emotional beings. So if they are not attracted in that way, they will just say, hey, why? And they become some way. You know, when they are working with their husbands as if they don't know them. They never introduce them. They don't mind them. These type of things. This is, so if you don't like him, he's somebody's son. Leave him. And don't take him into issues. So I think that, yes, you need love. But marriage takes more than love. Because love goes through so many things. And human love changes so much. So to build a good home, I mean, just on love, your romantic love, it's not, it's not enough. On divine love, then it will stand. Because divine love suffers long. Romantic love does not suffer at all. Divine love is not easily provoked. Romantic love goes and then he follows running through the hills and the flowers and calling you, come journey, and the wind is blowing through your head. It's not like that. <laughs> Amen. So yes, you need love, but there's a very good book, Marriage Takes More Than Love. I think if you can get it by the navigators, which my husband and I read as marriage counseling before we got married, because nobody will counsel us. No church. We don't know what to do. So we bought the book and said, let's counsel ourselves on this. Then he went to buy, um, he gave me a medical book on uh, contraception in West Africa. <laughs> Very big book. That's the marriage counseling. It wasn't easy. I didn't even understand it. So I was asking about this book that you can say. If you know myself, I didn't understand. When you, you have marriage manual and you will obey. Hey. Contraception in West Africa, so that will be more cosmopolitan. <laughs> in the teaching, I recognized how my parents' marriage has suffered because of the pressures of my mother towards my father. What can I do to help my mother change and stop making daddy fly away from home? I think you can buy her the message. And there's another message on, which I would have gone into, but I, remedies for contention is also another message that you can buy. And then also, you can find a friendly way of talking to your mother. You know, because sometimes when my, my father says something, and my mother reacts that, why is he saying that? I said, ah, but why? He's just saying his views. It's not, say, eh. You, because this is your father, you are backing him. I said, well, that's not why. But I mean, if, why do you react to this? It doesn't matter. He's just saying that. This, eh? I'm bringing him to your house. 80-year-old, 89-year-old, for one month. You will see whether... I said, don't bring him. But I mean, try. It depends on how you are with your mother. But I am, 
I have a mother that I can counsel. Although she's very wise, and she, when I speak, she listens. So we can be on the phone and I'll say, you don't have to do this, you have to do this this way. Even recently I was telling her, I said that the battle is the Lord. The Lord has fought your battle. Ah, all these years. Is it now that you have become a warrior? And she was quiet. I said, are you there? Said, I'm there. I think that you can speak nicely and politely to her. How do you handle a sweet, responsible husband and father who had a problem with timing? Hey, he procrastinates a lot. Sweet, responsible, but he procrastinates. Look, he is flawed, okay? You leave him and see. People will come for him for you. So he should be perfect, eh? Go and look for your flawless lover because this one is earthen vessel. The same thing last year, isn't it? Somebody said, my husband cleans the floor, does this, does this. But doesn't do what? Lay the bed. Hey! After church, come for divine knocks. knocks. What are some techniques to hang in there when although you know God is in control, things are going downstream. That's finances. Despite this, you have immense faith in the Lord. I think that faith in the Lord is one thing, but oftentimes God also shows us how to have wealth, but we don't look out for that. Do you understand? The Bible says it says, He will give us the power to make wealth. And it's God who would say to Isaac, when you would dig the well, you move, it doesn't matter. I'll prosper you here, but we don't. And the virtuous woman, she sits down, she considers her field, and she buys it. But most of us finances, we just feel that, oh, my husband, or what I get from my work, then that's it. But there are other things. Sometimes you even have to close some doors. Your way of spending is too much. Sometimes the, the type of shoes you buy, you can't afford it, but you say, by all means, I must buy Roland Cartier, by all means. And the number of times, you know, you, you go and free some lace, six months, then they're after you. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, atasa. So don't bother yourself so much. So if you like, you can talk to somebody about finances, what to do. Because I believe that when you have a lot of good counseling, you are able to, you know, yeah. And also, even the ability to save. My mother said to me, no matter how much you earn, always save 10%. At that time, I, I, didn't, I wasn't saving at all. A few years ago, my mother-in-law told me the same thing. So I started to do that. And it has changed my life. She said, no matter how small, whether you are a housewife, whatever, you open a savings account. And our mothers, they used to do savings accounts. But we, we feel that out. But this money, where will it be? Oh, let me just... No. You can live in a way that your finances will be manageable. Many people have a lot of money, but they end up broke before the month ends. And many people don't have much, but they end up with plenty after the, the, the end of the month. So you need to tap into that wisdom. Okay? I think Bishop has preached so many things on... Things like that, you know. So, and then also the types of success and all that. So if you plug it into the word, I think it will bring enlightenment to you. <laughs> My beloved and I have too much, you know, almost every week. We have prayed about it. Virtually when we go to church. Ah, what does it mean? We need help. We both worship with Lighthouse. All about fornication. It's a book you should get. It's a small book by Bishop Dougie Wood Mills. All about fornication. 
And then also, if you are beloved and you're having all these problems, why don't you marry? One of the betters in my sermons is better to marry than to burn. It's also one of the better things. Amen. So why don't you get married? And then also, maybe you are doing things that lead you to that place. The type of dress you wear, suggestive clothing. When you go, you say, let me sit on your lap. Let me lie by you. Let me do it before you know. You go to a room which is dark. You are in love. The fire service is in operation. And you are... The Bible says, give no place to the devil. But some of us, we have laid the bed, swept the room. There's room. So Satan comes. So the practical steps that you would take. And the Bible says, flee. Youthful lust. But you don't flee. You stand there. You talk, I don't like that. And that's how you begin to explain. You see, because of, that's what uh, Samson did. Because of the vow of God on my life, I can't do this and that and that. And you know, because of, why all these explanations? The Bible says flee. It's between flying and running. Run. And also as the woman, you are responsible to put the brakes on. Because you are sexually stronger. Okay, so try and do that. Because in the end, look, when a man has all that he wants, he will not be so excited to marry you. You said, that's it, brother. You are saying it. Tell them all. So leave some excitement. Amen. You both worship with Lighthouse, so come and see the pastor, or come and see me. I'm asking all of you to come and see me. My assistant is laughing. Because I already have unmet schedules. What is the difference between pointing out a wrong of someone and complaining? How can a quiet person still be friendly and have friends? You can have quiet friendliness. You know, some people are quiet, but you can see that they are friendly, but they are quiet. If you come to them, they will talk to you. But the atmosphere around them is not something that drives people away. Some of you, your faces, that's why the Bible says, don't be afraid of your face, their faces, because your faces alone, you may be a very nice person by your face. And then also, it can add that is learned. The Bible says, he that will have friends must first show himself friendly. So look at the people who look friendly and decide that maybe you will learn some of, maybe they chat a lot or they... Not chat a lot as in talking, but they have a way of engaging. Meanwhile, you, when you ask, how are you? You finished. So find out what they ask. Oh, how are you? Yeah, so how is work? Are you coping? Really? Ah, so where, where, where have you spent your weekend? Some of you, when you say, how are you? You don't have topics again. You see, so learn to be friendly. And then you will have friends. And the reason why people don't come towards unfriendly people is they feel that you don't want to be bothered. And that when they speak to you, they are really bothering you. But that's not what is in your heart. You know, so even just a smile is inviting. But if every day, kagdi, you can't. You see? So try and smile. Even sometimes something doesn't even concern you. But some people are doing something, some music. Some people, they strike them, so they don't even want to smile. So you just smile. Ooh, and that is a welcoming thing to people. Okay, so learn it. In fact, yesterday I was reading Bishop's notes. It's in one of the books. I said, have a pleasant, melodious voice. Talk about the person and not yourself. Oh, it's in one of the books. Pastoral. Talk about the person and not yourself. As a person, his name. They have made various steps. I'll print it out and give it to you. And so come for it. How can, okay. Uh, pointing out a wrong of someone and not complaining. That's what I'm saying. I think complaint is... Um, Repetitive. 
repetitive and also the type of language. You always do this. You eh? If it were not this, you never do this. You, you are always this. And then a raised voice and so many things going to complain. But if you are just pointing out a wrongdoing in love, the Bible says speaking the truth in love. So when you are doing it in love, you know, when you went and brought this person, you didn't ask me and all that. I felt very bad about it. It is said that you should speak about how you feel. Not so much what the person has, but how you feel. Do you understand? So I felt very bad about it. I felt that maybe I'm useless or I'm not whatever. So please, next time. Eh, you, every time. Don't respond. Okay, a soft answer. Breaketh the bone and turneth away wrath. Amen. So when you don't respond, person, ah, you didn't respond, whatever. Then the complaint won't come. But when you said that you also respond, hey, because I'm talking coolly, you think that this, eh? Let me tell you something. Just because I have not been saying anything, you think that you know. What do you think about the man who loves his wife, but has children outside? And all these things are not a secret for him and family. Well, first of all, I'm, I must say he's probably not born again. So he's manifesting fully the flesh. He's outside God's will and outside God's word. So when you say, what do I think? I don't know whether you are married to somebody like that. The Bible says that he will be won by your conversation when he sees your chaste and holy behavior. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it, you know. So, and he says that if the person is pleased to dwell with you, don't leave him. Dwell with him. In this case where he's having children outside, in this day of HIV, you may have to set some conditions and sit up. I know personally of a marriage of a very multi, multi, a wealthy man. And the problem was that he had had about seven children out of wedlock. Every day the wife forgives you. Every day. You come, you say you have one, oh, it's okay. And at a point she said, hey, there's disease. Oh. So try. And protection. And he got angry. Why should you ask me to go and do a test and come? And because of that, the marriage is broken today. So, but the reality of disease is also there. So I think that you should sit up and advise yourself. But I don't understand your question. What do I think about a man? Can a lady marry a divorcee? Hmm. This is a gray area in the Bible. And even sometimes I discuss it with my husband because he was saying that in Matthew, Jesus was very explicit and said no. But when you look at 1 Corinthians, he said that if the person be pleased to dwell with you, then you dwell with the person. But the person says, by all means, I'm leaving you. Then the, the spouse who is there is not bound. That's what the Bible says. So for me, it's not bound means you are not limited by that. Because I am with you. Then you say you are going. Uh-huh, I can't run after you. I've begged everything. You say you are going. The Bible says in that case, I'm not bound. Do you see? But I think people have written on it. Kenneth Hagen has written marriage, remarriage, and divorce. So it's a good book that you should get because I cannot extensively treat it. I'm 21 and I've not been in a relationship before. Can I enter into one if I love the person? It's not age, it's your maturity. Because you may be 21, but you are not emotionally capable and stable to handle anybody. You see, there's a brother I know. 
He has finished the university and everything, but I've told him that he's not ready to marry. Because the way I mother him, he will go and give burdens. Burdens. <laughs> hey, it's serious, oh. Burdens to the person who might, because I have to tell him, have you washed your clothes today? Go and wash them. We have to say to him, what, what, did you put this here? He has lost it. Did you do this? He's not ready to marry. And if the person wants to marry some sophisticated, I say, hey, can you handle it? So it's not age, but sometimes maturity. Often by a certain age, you become more mature. But sometimes not necessarily. So can you cope? Marriage has a lot of pressures and a lot of emotional demands on you. So much. Do you understand? So you have to be ready. I can't say that do this or do that because I think I had a beloved from the age of 20. Do you see? And you married in school, sister. <laughs> but you have to be ready. So I can't give you an age. But I can give you, like, some of the messages say the things you should look for. Are you emotionally capable of dealing with the things, looking after yourself, looking after somebody else who has come to put all his problems on you? I have not eaten. I have not this. Hey, as soon as you say that, you are not ready. I also haven't eaten. Why? No, but you are supposed to care for him. Honestly, sometimes I feel the pressure. Like this week when I was getting ready to preach and all that. And one day I came home, my husband said to me, I've not eaten. Then my children were saying, yes, we have not eaten. I said, we have not eaten, but there's food. I felt so, that when I finished giving the food, I didn't even eat. I went to sit and I said, ah, all these mouths are depending on me. All these mouths are waiting for me. It's not easy. You see, so are you ready for that? Are you financially ready? Spiritually ready? Financially ready? Emotionally ready? For all this, if you are, sister, go ahead and marry. We'll bless you, girl. We are ending. Don't worry. It's getting slimmer. Should a Christian lady be in a relationship with a churchgoer and hope to change him? No. You are not a personal Holy Ghost. You can never change anybody. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring you, will convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It didn't say you. Amen. So he's a churchgoer. You don't want to say he's an unbeliever. You see, sister, so. Did you see the drama? The same thing. You will be here nicely growing in the Lord. Then some boy has called you. A churchgoer, you are going. You know in your heart that it's not whether the person is a churchgoer. It's whether he knows the Lord. Because what will keep him faithful to you is not your beautiful face, but it's the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. So you need somebody who fears the Lord for your own sake. It's not that God is making rules to make your life complicated. He's putting those things in place to give you abundant life. You have to recognize that. Amen. So please, you cannot change a churchgoer. Ask the experienced people here. And when they try to change the churchgoer, often it doesn't work. I have a question. That's why you are writing. When I look in my family, I see a train of late marriages and separation. I recently started praying about it. My elder sister is 35, 29. I also not married or in a relationship. What should I practically do? Is there a message I can listen to? Thank you. I think that, first of all, you have to pray and break the generational curse. But don't let anybody lead you into things that, in the end, they become human effort to break the curse. 
Because it's Jesus and the power of God that breaks the curse. Begin to make war with the things you say. Every time you have your quiet time and you get up, say that this tradition of not getting married and marriage late does not apply to me. I am a child of God. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. I overcome this thing. And it is by faith that I overcome. I'm married by the age of this. I mean, you need to make war. Amen. And also the sad thing is that you are saying that although they marry late, even after marriage, they go and separate. So you want to pray about all that. You see. And then you also want to pray that God will show you what it is. Because sometimes it's a certain way of behaving. Sometimes it's impatience. Sometimes it's how to treat a man. Sometimes people were brought up by a single parent, a woman. Because they don't know that ah, a man too, I should lay a table for him. Why? We should all sit on the kitchen stool and eat. Because that's what you know. Do you understand? Why should he sit there and then I would serve him? Why should I listen to him when he talks? You've never had a man in your life or in your house. So in a certain sense, it's not even your fault. But you can learn. That's why God put you in a church family. So that you can learn. And when you are willing and obedient, God will help you. So look for why. And sometimes even I talk to people. I like to talk to people socially. So sometimes I ask them, so what do you think caused your divorce? And then they'll tell me, so how do you feel? So how do you think you recovered? Then they'll tell me, I think this happened, that happened, that happened. And then I use that as a, as a lesson to me. Do you understand? When I meet older pastor's wives, I ask them, what, what do you think this and that? Sometimes I'm in a place that maybe I've heard, oh, this lady who is a pastor's wife has divorced her husband. The husband has remarried. The second one too has gone. So then I'm talking to another pastor's wife. Who knows all the facts because she's involved? Said, what happened? So they said the man doesn't listen. Whatever you say, he doesn't listen. He just goes on and on. When you say, I don't like this, he just continues. So that's why the first one, I said, what about the second one? The second one left, but she left earlier. The first one had been married for 26 years, but the second one, eight, she has left already. So why? That's that because of the same problem, but she couldn't cope because this and that and that. Ah, okay. So I also laid to heart to learn from people's experiences. So don't use yourself as a guinea pig. God has given you many examples, including even the Bible, for you to learn. So talk to your sisters if you are that open with them. And ask them, so what happened? Some of them will say, Bema no nyekra, no nyeyampa, but if even it's 5%, you own it. So what do you think yours was? And that one is not helpful. But some of it can be helpful. Amen. And I think you should listen to Don't Be Afraid also. So that you won't be afraid. Because fear invites all sorts of things into your life. And may the Lord help you. May the curse over that life be broken. May you begin a new dynasty and a new generation. In Jesus' name. I really like my beloved. But sometimes I'm not too confident about introducing him to people. Because I don't think he's good looking. I know looks are not so important, but I feel bad. I didn't think I didn't think leaving him I don't think leaving him is the answer. But I don't know what to do. Please help. Hmm. If you are not proud of him, it's not going to change you. Ah, they say you are worried about how your children will look. It doesn't always follow. Amen.
But you see, Solomon said in Songs of Solomon, my beloved is the chiefest among 10,000. It is a place that everybody must come to. So that you stop letting your eyes roam, hoping for things that if you have, you can't even handle. Amen. So, you say he's not nice, but you, you, he's your beloved. Why did you say yes? Don't marry something you are not proud of. Don't marry something that when we ask, who is this? So, my uncle. <laughs> my uncle. Oh, my father's nephew. Oh, my. It will cost you. It's true. And in the end, you start to resent the person. So either you change your values to value what really matters, or you leave him. Bring him to me. I'll give him to somebody else. Amen. You said you know that beauty is not everything, but that's how you feel. So I'm in full-time ministry, and I have other ministers' children deviating from the ministry. How do I make sure that my children grow in the fear of the Lord? Well, you just teach them. Uh, create an, a conducive environment. By the end of the day, it depends on God and not on you. So, fight your battles on your knees. Make intercession for your children from a very young age. You'll be surprised what Satan wants to do. Make battle. But many of us, we are just sailing, oh, my baby is only two. My baby is only three. Look, Satan starts from the seed when it's very small. That's why Jesus, all the baby boys, two years and under, were killed. So that, I mean, he was looking for Jesus. Moses, the same. Do you see? So little children are targets of the enemy. So you have to be on your knees praying for them. You can't be a personal Holy Ghost. You can't be everywhere. Hey, yeah, what are you doing now? But even some of the things he won't tell you. Even you, when you were doing your things, your parents didn't know. But the presence of God is everywhere. And God knows how to reach your children. Sow the seed of the word in their lives and pray for them. And, and God will come through for you. He will. Amen. Pray, you know, pray that they'll have a personal relationship with God. Pray that they will be delivered from bad friends and influences. Ask God to separate them from Jonadabs and people who will not bring any progress. Amnon was advised by Jonadab to sleep with Tamar. And he said, oh, I can't do that. Jonadab said, oh, you can do it. How can I really change when I try? People feel that I'm no more the same. And they start laughing at me. Oh, yes, these days people laugh at you when you want to be righteous. When you want to walk holy, it's like it's funny. Ha, ha, ha. Then you don't need those kind of friends. When you want to do what is right, they laugh at you. You are probably a teenager. And you are under teenage pressure. And it's not a good pressure. You have to change it. First Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It does. And the Bible says we shouldn't be deceived. Because we always deceive that our company doesn't affect us. So you change. And your company will change automatically without you giving them letters of announcement that you've changed. And persist in it. Everybody that worked with God was a loner. In terms of when you want to do right, like Daniel, you are just surrounded by evil people. You have to fight on and keep working on. And it will be well. Amen. Amen. Comment as-tu fait pour avoir tout ce savoir? Tu es vraiment bene. I love you, but I love Jesus more. Amen. Those of you who don't understand, you don't understand. <laughs> How do you handle in-laws who are disrespectful to you when they see you and don't, don't mind you? Hmm. It's all in the marriage manual. A whole chapter on in-laws. 
walking in love, it all applies to the in-law as well. Jesus said, love your enemies, not your friends. That means that, first of all, you have to identify them as enemies before you start to love them. So love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. You have to identify those that hate you. So that, you see, four sections. So you put your enemies here and say, this one, love. Those that hate you, do good. Those that despitefully use you, pray for them. And then there's a, those that curse you, bless them. So four companies, okay? Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them that despitefully use you. Some people use you despitefully, use you for their ends, use you for their, pray for them, oh God. And if it's not as I pray for them, I just feel pity. I feel pity more than resentment. But when I am mobile, it's like, oh, if you share Bazi, bro, you know, it will be well. The Lord should help you. Amen. So love them. When is their birthday, send a gift. If they return it to you, give it to a friend. Amen. But do your part and leave the rest to God. It's just like the lady who said, People in the church are some way. And it's like that. You can't force people to love you or to like you, but you can be good to them. But what happens is we also respond. If your mother is not minding me, I will also not mind it. If your mother is not, she's not coming here, but you just do good. As if you don't even see. The Bible says you heap coals of fire. Again, the message is your love life. Get it, okay? You have a lot of messages to get to. Please, mommy, what do you do if you are an assistant pastor's wife and senior pastor does not involve you in anything that goes on in the church? Both you and your husband. The senior pastor is not married. <laughs> That's why he doesn't know how to involve you. <laughs> Who is the senior pastor's senior? Or it will be like you have come to report him. Have you talked to the senior pastor's senior? There's a way of getting the senior pastor to know that he has to involve you. And also, why is he not involving you? Are you some way? You and your husband, are you some way? You know, and also, why don't you talk to him personally? You see, Ghanaians, we don't like them. Why don't you say, oh, Pastor, Lady Pastor BM, you don't give me anything to do in the church. Every time, I feel I'm not involved. Please give me something to do, okay? Now you've solved the problem. But you don't want to speak about it. Then when you go home, you'll be talking, oh, no. Did you see what he did? You are spoiling the church, okay? Don't destroy God's creation. Go and listen to that one thing. Is it normal for a mother-in-law to be in control of her son's finances and all the affairs of the house? Capital, no. Capital, no. When I went to Kumasi, they did a drama. They said, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. It just said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, no, no, no. And she's not, 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 not. She said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's not normal. Your mother-in-law controls your husband's finances and all the affairs in your house. Are you sure? It's not supposed to be like that. Your husband is the head, not your mother-in-law. Amen. God has called your husband to be the head, not your mother-in-law. And she's the head because your husband has abdicated his throne to your mother-in-law. He has abdicated his place to your mother-in-law, and this is not supposed to be so. So how are you going to solve it? Pastor Ake, you need to come and see the pastors. Or you need to talk to your husband. I mean, why? But... If he's giving his finances to his mother, then you should also have a way of handling your finances. Though. Because you can't add it for it to be ruled over by the mother. It's not right. Okay, but usually you ladies, you tell me half of the story. When you come with your husband, then I see another side. And now the whole council changes. Yeah. Ah, it's true. The, mother may be, the money may be for the mother. 
Just that she shouldn't control the affairs in the home as well. But there are some men like that, so mommy's boy. Lady Reverend, my beloved is not being serious with God, and because of that, I want to quit. Is it a good idea? Yeah, you can give him an ultimatum. Either you sit up or you quit. But even when you sit up, how do you know it's genuine? So pray. Know your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Pray to know what to do, but start looking for a plan B because you can see that he's not serious. It's not going to change in marriage. It's going to get worse. What happens when a husband wants to separate himself from his family for some months? Or is it to wait on God? <laughs> for some months. What happens? You see, how you put the question, I don't understand. What happens if a husband... Usually it's not healthy. Unless he's traveling for a reason, he's going for a convention, he's going for a conference. But to separate from the family for a, that he wants to separate and have some peace. Usually, I haven't seen it work. I haven't seen separation work before. Every time the end result is divorce. They start with separation, but with time, you get used to not living with each other, not being in each other's issues. I have never seen one that has worked. That separation, that you visit us and we, no. If it has worked over there, well, I've seen some where they were, these ones, they were divorced 12 years. And the lady was in the church here. And she used to tell me, oh, today he came to visit the children. And he said he won't go, he will sleep. I said, hey. I used to, you are giving him, before I knew they had come to marry again, to say I do. So don't waste your time, okay? The grass is not greener. They came back after 12 years and they got married again. After all the divorce papers, caught everything, they came back and they married again. Bishop Saki blessed their marriage. When they got divorced, they were not in the church, but when they remarried, they were in the church. When there's no good communication among, uh, among the two in marriage, what happens? Oh, this question. The marriage breaks down. <laughs> but you need to seek help. You need marriage counseling. You see, people don't come for marriage counseling because they feel that people will get to know their issues. I will look like a failure. But everybody has challenges in their marriages. Just that they don't tell you because you will rejoice too much over evil. So they don't share it with you. But everybody has challenges. So if you come to a mature pastor, you will not be surprised and say that, hey, so you too, you are... It's not true. You know, so seek help when you can get help. Sometimes some women feel that I'm reporting my husband. But there's a way of saying it if he doesn't want it to be known so that he can be reached. Okay, so seek help. In counsel... You get delivered. How do you know when you are ready to marry? How to be marriageable, how to be found? If you're contentious, if you are contentious, what are some of the ways to help you to be quiet? And I think I've spoken about that. God bless you, Auntie. My question is, what do you think about an arranged marriage? Is it advisable? How to be marriageable, how to be found? I address all these issues. Rebecca's marriage was arranged. She didn't know Isaac before. But they didn't override her will and say, Rebecca, go. He said, will you go? And she said, I will. The word will is used in Genesis. I will go. And then she went. When she went, it worked and she was happy. Do you see? So arranged marriage, but it also involves your will. I would say rather um, recommended, recommended marriage instead of arranged. I would say recommended. And oftentimes we feel that we must meet the person by ourselves, happily, by chance. But sometimes the same person can be introduced to you. And then you go along as friends and you see whether you like each other. And then so whether it comes by chance or it comes by design, it has come anyway. And then from there you move on. But when you are a child, you don't understand that. 
So, no, it has to be love at first sight. It's also going to be love at first flight. You will fly away. Okay. So, arranged marriages are also biblical and can work. But not without your... The pastor, who, the pastor or friend who is recommending that person will leave you, the two of you, to marry. So, if you know that it won't work, please, rescue yourself. I have witnessed the failure of many marriages. And it has really affected my perception of marriage. What do you suggest I do to have a better outlook on marriage? Seven realities of marriage will save you. It's a message. It talks about marriage, the realities, and all that. And let me tell you, divorce is not easier than marriage. When you get divorced, you have to change your name. Your driving license, your passport, if you want. Change everything. Bank statements. You put your car in reverse. You are going Sometimes you get divorced not because you want to, but because you are pushed out. That's when it's different. When it lies within your power. But the Bible says that on the grounds of adultery, it is permitted. But it doesn't mean that it is required. It's not mandatory, but it is permitted. God would, God would not hold you for that. So I think that if you listen to the seven realities of marriage, it will help you. Because in spite of all that, people say, hmm, are you going to marry this marriage? Hmm, marriage has been made what is not. Marriage, ask them that. Why is it that when people lose their spouses and they still marry? It means there's something good in them. There's something. Amen. It is made by God. It's God's idea. And if we didn't have marriages, then we would not be able to even fill the earth. Because God's prescribed way of filling the earth is for people to marry. If you are not married, you don't have any business with each other. So how would even God's creation go along? You know, so marriage is like the Christian life. I always tell people. It has its challenges. But you don't feel like abandoning God completely. He has disappointed you sometimes, has he not? He has broken your heart. I mean, God. He has broken your heart sometimes, has he not? He has not come through sometimes when you have expected him to come through. Sometimes you have suspected whether he loves you. But you still go on your relationship with it. Doesn't mean that being a Christian is a terrible thing. It doesn't mean that. It has its challenges, but it's still a blessing. For me, that is what marriage is. Amen. So renew your mind. I think people too put too many expectations on it. So their disappointment is also without remedy. I want to know the temperament that sees the negative side of everything. Look. Your temperament and you are what? what? What message is that? Your temperament. Your husband's temperament and then your husband's temperament and you. Okay, these are three messages you must get. And also the marriage manual deals with temperament. And the spirit control temperament is also a good one. Mommy, I want you to explain this to me. I'm in the same ministry with this guy. And we've been in a relationship before. He made us stop the relationship. I really find it very difficult to live with that around that time. I found it, but with the help of God, I was able to overcome him. Recently, he has come back for us to move on again. Please, what do I do about it? I love him too. It's a sickness, oh. It's a sickness. I tell you. In spite of how he is, I love him too. He left you unexpectedly, but you love him too. And you were hurt. What has changed his mind? He said you should break up. Now he's come back that you should. Are you a, a switch that they turn on and off? Or are you a yo-yo? Let's move on again. You see, for men, 
they move on more easily, much more easily than we do. That's why he has come back that let's start from where we left off. But for you, it has been a journey. It has been a battle. It has been heartache. It has been crying before, but he recovered quickly. So that's why he finds it easy to say, oh, where we are Sunyani, let's continue. We'll get to Kumati. <laughs> so ask yourself whether you can trust him again. Not based on what he did, but based on what he is and what you see. And ask him, why have you come back now? And also, what new plans do you have that you didn't have before? You understand? Some people don't give a date. You ask them, when will you marry her? I don't know, Lady Reverend. I don't know. But when a man will marry you, he will marry you. Because in the Bible, he said that, let us not rest. Let's marry the person immediately. When the person wants to marry you, he wants to marry you. When the person is not sure, no date, I'm coming, excuses. Ladies, read through these things and be wise. Huh? So the Lord grant you wisdom. Okay? As he has come back, don't give all your heart. Study him. Pray about him. Seek counsel and see. But your heart has gone already. I love him too. Then what type of decision will you come to? Please, what do you do when you have a contentious husband or boss? A soft answer. Various things. Remedies for contention is your message. Okay. Um, I would like to know the thing I will see in a man to know if he will marry me. It's one of these. When he says, marry me now, he's serious. Okay. There's a pastor and his wife, not LCI, living at the downstairs of my apartment. They are always fighting at the top of their voices. The whole area hears them. How can I help? It's really serious. Almost all the time, they fight with bad language. Give them a present of messages. You haven't said anything. You say, oh, we had a very powerful convention at church, and I thought that I'll bless you with this. It's Mother's Day. Oh, it's Christmas. We had a very powerful whatever. I thought that I'll give this to you. Oh, we are having a program here. I thought I would invite you. There was a lady, Lady Pastor Joy, brought to our pastor's wife's meeting from Tamale. And then when I went to Tamale also, I had the opportunity to meet her. And she was also a pastor's wife. Terrible contention. Div had divided the church into two. Terrible, raging, whatever. Today, she says that she's transformed. And she's been for some years. She's transformed. Her home is different. The ministry is different. And everything is built up. What was it? The word of God and good counsel. When you meet somebody who you can relate to, the person talks to you that, sister, stop that rough there. Stop that nonsense. You see, because she was finding a demon in everybody, doing a sister, that's not your work. That's not what God has asked you to do. You know, today the home is stable, there's calm, there's peace. So find a way of pushing the word into their lives. And I, I trust that. And also pray for them, prayer work. But don't eject them. How do you get out of an abusive relationship of four years? Mercy. I answer some of these things in the question and answer where people say, the man beats me. You see, recently I was in Louisiana and I met a pastor's wife, very nice pastor, in another state. She had also come for the meeting. And then I told her, oh, I'm going to Houston after this meeting. She came to say hello to us. And she said, Houston, that's where our church is. So she would come. Her church was. My brother's there. So I went to Houston. She also came. And then she told me, I'll come and pick you up from your house. So she came. We went out for lunch. And she was telling me that they had had a women's convention in that church in Louisiana. 
And she had been asked to bring a greeting. As she was bringing the greeting, the Lord, well, whatever. And she spotted a lady. The lady looked very quiet, sad, subdued, looking at her some way. So the Lord told her after the meeting, this woman will come and see you. So the woman came to see her. Oh, pastor's wife of a mega church in Arkansas. When the woman came, she said that I have something to share with you that nobody on this planet knows. Really? What will it be? She said, even my mother doesn't know. So what is it? My husband beats me every day. Every blessed day. That mega pastor, he beats me every blessed day. And when I come to church on Sundays, I'm wearing beautiful designer clothes, but they are scarred. The designer clothes just cover my scar. So this pastor's wife told me that she asked her, hey, now you're surviving all these years. She said, because in the church that I was raised, we believe that if you divorce, you go to hell. And I don't want to go to hell. So, so this pastor's wife told her, honey, you ain't gonna know hell. <laughs> she told me, I, I told her, honey, you ain't gonna know hell. So when she said that, then she took the lady to the head pastor's wife of the church they were attending the convention. The head pastor's wife said, you see this lady from Houston and you are from Arkansas with your problems. They called the husband of sin. You go to Houston for counseling. They would interact with you, sit with you, and all that, and counsel you through all this. This quiet woman didn't say anything. So they went their separate ways. When she got to Houston, she realized, I'm not hearing from this woman. She decided to call her. Said, oh, hello. How is it you have not arranged the meeting to come? She said, oh, it's not necessary anymore. She said, oh, I said, oh, I've left. <laughs> What? That quiet woman? So I said, it's your message. You ain't got no help. So if they beat you four years, you can easily die. Many women have stayed in places they shouldn't stay and they have died. So I always say, because I meet such cases, I don't know whether in Ghana it doesn't happen much or we don't disclose it much. But when I go to America, England, this is always a question, a question and answer time. And I tell them, run, baby, run. Do you know why? Jesus said, if you are in a city and you are being persecuted, run to the next city. Do you understand? So I'm not saying she should divorce. Divorce is different. But I'm saying she should run and seek help somewhere. Because before you know, you are dead. We have had such cases in law. A lady in Adenta, she had been divorced from her husband for so long, and they came to patch it up. She was a Pentecost lady. That night that she went to the home, the man pushed her over the banister. She died. She died. It was a national whatever. The Bible says, Philippians 1.9, let your love abound in all wisdom and knowledge. Not just love. Wisdom and knowledge. Amen. But before you do anything foolish, seek counsel, okay? About how you to go about it. Uh, but you said it's a relationship. It's not even marriage. Oh! Look, leave him. <laughs> Today, tell him that it's over. Because he will beat you more in the marriage. He will beat you to relationship. I've changed my answer. Sorry for talking so much. Ah! Four years now, that's so terrible. Doctor, don't be silly. 
Run, 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 run. Yeah, a lady told me a few days ago, he beat me. I said, hey, he hasn't married you when he beats you. Leave now. And I told the man, I said, I have told her to leave now. Because already you are busy. So I didn't beat her. I was just having an argument and I flung my hand. I didn't beat her. I said, how many hands will you fling? I want to know what you can do if you cannot easily convince your husband. Especially when he disagrees with, the, with your every decision you make. Huh. A woman of good understanding, I don't know. You need to get that message. But why does he always refuse what you say? Maybe your things are always skewed in another direction. Every time, no, the counsel. Every time you say when you advise, he doesn't take. But your advice is always in another direction. So maybe that's why. And you say that, what else did she say? Every decision he doesn't, if you have, oh no. What did you say? It's not here. I'll put it somewhere. But he said he doesn't agree with every decision that you take. Sometimes when he says no, ask him why. It may help you to buy into his mind instead of just because you've said it. You see, human beings are so complex. I can't always answer every question. Because some men are so insecure, they will never take anything their, their wives say. So there are so many facets to things, you know. And um, I can only answer what I know. So usually, if you give good counsel, the person would like to listen to you. If you speak with godly wisdom and the word, you are more likely to be listened to. But if everything you say is personal, fleshly, fighting, it's likely not to be listened to. Do you see? So because the Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. It says let your speech minister grace to the people that hear you. So let me ask you, what kind of speech is it? Does it minister grace to the person that hears you? Maybe all that is part of the problem. So solve your problem and leave God to solve the rest. But ask him. But this decision, for instance, why are you not agreeing, you know? And if he talks, men are not verbal, but the little he says, you try to understand and change with that. My husband has been out of a job for some time now. But my problem is he's not making any effort to get a job. Ah, this problem, I've seen it. Uh -huh. <laughs> what do I do? Look, Lady Pastor Bridget and I were dealing with somebody. Even his CV, he won't write it. He won't write the CV. He won't do the application letter. But you have talked to somebody or that, oh, there's room. No. Very, very, very laid back. Does not work and is happy not to work. And also, I'm asking, ladies, don't you see these things before? You do. You see it, but like the beatings, four years, with him. You always hope that it will change, isn't it? So maybe at this point, it's time to pull the carpet a bit. Because you are enabling. He doesn't work, but you always give him money to live. So feed him basic, you know, we call them necessaries. You give him basic things to live. But if he wants to do extra things, then you don't have the money because he doesn't work. He wants to go and play golf and <laughs> these type of problems. They are real things. I deal with them all the time. All the time. You know, so they exist. So find a way of pulling the carpet a bit off his, and under his feet so that he will sit up. Because as he doesn't work, you feed him, you clothe him. You, I say feed him. 
But the extras, don't do it so that he will be compelled to work. But I see it. There are so many like that. And some of them, when they even go out and work in the end, and end, they won't give you. That also exists. So, the days of man are full of trouble. Is there anything like adopting an orphan whereby you take care of everything concerning the child whilst they are still at the orphanage? Yes. That's fostering, I think. I would also like to ask about what the possibilities of adoption are and the processes involved. Adoption is done by um, social welfare. So you have to go to social welfare and fill their forms. And then when they have children anyway, or maybe if we hear of an abandoned child anyway, and we tell you about it. But you have to start from the government side, social welfare, filling the form. They come to your house to look around to see whether it's conducive for the adoption of a child. They write a report. Hmm? Sometimes some of the social workers, when they can say, hey, the child is coming to enjoy Ghana social workers. So they make that report, they send it to social welfare. Social welfare will rule on it, whether you are capable, suitable, and then they will give you a child when they have, or if any orphanage has a child that they know of, then social welfare will have to link. You can do it on your own solo. And when they link with a person, you also need to go to court to get an adoption order to legally adopt the child. You need to legally stay with the child for at least three months, you know, and then social welfare comes and says, yes, whatever, and then they grant you the child. It sounds so easy, but it's difficult to have a child more than to build a house or buy a car. More difficult. Because even though they are orphans, their families don't sign them away to be adopted. So it's a very, very, very difficult thing. But it can be done. Sometimes in hospitals, you know, but I heard that because Kufo brought this maternity free, whatever, there are lesser, a lesser number of abandoned children. But adoption is a good idea, and you must pursue it. And we as a church, you can write an application to us to help you. Then we start by showing you go to social welfare, do this, do this. And we guide you through the process. But having said that, last week I was told that somebody is going around with a form. The lighthouse, when you give an amount of money, they give you a baby. Yes. So that form is making its round. And then people are giving money and signing. So Bishop Saki, I had to get Bishop Saki to announce from the pulpit on Sunday that we don't know anything about that. Okay, that is child slavery, child trafficking. And it's a very gruesome offense. So we wouldn't like to be associated with that. We don't do any such thing. Okay. So if you see anybody like that, let us know. Arrest the person, call the police, and let us know. How do you deal with a husband-to-be who has been indoctrinated by, the, indoctrinated by the senior pastor and his wife? And his wife-to-be's opinion on issues does not matter to him. Your question is skewed. Your question is some way. Does a mind not have a mind, a mind of his own? And what are you doing ah, that's so different from what they are saying? A senior pastor and his wife, they are more experienced than you. You are now coming. And you are saying that he's so indoctrinated. By what? Is it the word? Is it ministry? Is it what we believe in ministry that you are now calling indoctrination? You don't want to go on mission. They are saying do the work of God is good, whatever. So if you feel that he's indoctrinated, go and look for an unindoctrinated person. 
marry him. Because the word of God is supposed to change us. We sit under it and it changes us. The world may call it indoctrination, but it's being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen. So you should have clarified. What do you mean by indoctrination? And you, dear, you are not indoctrinated, isn't it? And you are very different. Can any two work except they be agreed? You may not be agreed on the things of the ministry. So I would advise you not to marry. Nowadays, a lot of the young ladies, they don't want to marry missionaries. And rightly so. Because you feel that it's hard. It is hard. You thought I would tell you that it's easy. It's not easy. It's very hard. You understand? It's very, very hard. And if you don't have the heart for it, you shouldn't try. Because not only will you destroy yourself, you will destroy somebody else's call and ministry. So I went to Legon. They said, the sisters are not marrying us at all. In fact, when they hear that you are going to be a missionary, they rather drop you. It's okay. Yeah. You need a nice wife. But you, the brothers too. The sisters who are pro-ministry, pro the, you don't like them. You like the spooky-looking ones. I went to Legon Levers dinner. I told them. And they said it's true. The brothers said to me it's true. The sisters who are available, they are too, we, we don't. They like the strange ones. They are more enticing because it's like there's something you don't know. You see, but I think that if you're going to be a wife in the ministry and you don't like the ministry, you have to be honest with yourself. Because ministry takes over everything you do. Everything you have. It was a glory, isn't it? Everything that involves you. Sometimes you want to even go and care for your children, but something else is calling you. And many times you're even left like a single parent because your husband is attending to other people and other things. You know, so if it stirs you up, I think you should save yourself the trouble. Not that you are a bad person, but you have found your place at this thing. I cannot. Jesus said anybody who is going for a battle, he counts the cost before he goes. Anybody who wants to build a house, he sits down, he counts the cost before. You two are going to marry. Sit down and count the cost. But I can tell you something. You'll find by experience that you go round, 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 go and marry chief executive, whatever the... And later when you see your mega pastor with his wife, say, hey, I was going to marry him. Oh, hey, hey, that's what the older women in the church say. When you are a child, you are to be pitied. And they'll be telling you, see this one, he proposed to me. Oh, I didn't listen. Look at what I went for. You see, but nothing is easy. If you're a pastor's wife, it's not easy. If you're a sailor's wife, it's not easy. If you're a pilot's wife, it's not easy. If you're married to a minor, it's not who goes into the earth. It's not easy. If you're a doctor's wife or husband, it's not easy. Do you understand? So, life is not easy. Okay, but I think ministry also taxes your emotions. Because what you love, you have to put on the plate and say, share, give everybody a piece. And then you, sometimes you don't have anything. Do you see? So, count the cost, Okay. And see whether you can be indoctrinated or not. <laughs> Only four left and we are, oh. You have written in French. They don't like that, too. Je n'en que je eu dans mon mariage passé. Parce que mon mari est décédé. J'ai dû laisser ma fille avec ma belle-mère. Qui est venue très méchante. Oh, avec moi. Et me veut. Et ne veut même pas que je parle avec ma fille au téléphone. 
Je suis décidée à récupérer ma fille. Comment faire? Allez, allez-y. Allez-y. I think that... <laughs> she's saying that she had a child in her previous marriage. Her husband died. So she left the baby with her grandmother. The grandmother has become very wicked to the child and even will not allow them to speak on the phone. She decided to go for her child. What should she do? And I'm saying that she should go along and go for the child. God will help you to look after her. It will be well. Amen. Allez-y, oui. Hey. Je veux tout autour de moi soit parfait. Et quand cela ne se passe pas comme je veux, je deviens très colérique, très nerveuse et aussi invivable. Comment je dois réussir à changer? You people too, you did French in school, oh? Should understand it. She says she wants to be perfect. And sometimes, when that doesn't happen, she becomes very choleric and very nervous and also hard to live with and vivable. How do I succeed in changing? I've answered that in English. How to change. So, you said that you want to be perfect. Look, be patient with yourself. Nobody is perfect. Even look at the Lord's disciples. They fall, they rise up. Peter, John. John's mother came and said that we want the two to sit uh, at your right and your left. They started to argue among themselves who will be greater. Everybody has a flaw somewhere. So you can't be perfect because you live in an imperfect world. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, in this tabernacle we groan, waiting for the adoption of the sons of God because our bodies make us groan. So you will never be perfect. So be patient with yourself and with God. God is at work in you to will and to do. I used to be like that. I used to feel so disappointed. I, wanted, I didn't know that I was wanting to be perfect, but I wanted so much to please God. And yet sometimes in high school, I, I would see that I would fail, let's say my quiet time. I really wanted to have it. And then when I go on holiday, I'm not able to have it. One week, then I'll sit down and have all the one week in arrears, you know. And I, I used to weep so much, Lord, I, I want to be perfect. I don't know what's wrong with me. And that is when I left and went to the university. And Bishop Dagi, what Mills came into my life and told me, man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. And so far as you are in this body, your body will fight you. And even Saul said, Paul said, I keep my body. And I'd never heard anything like that before. I'd been a Christian SU for many years, struggling, struggling to please God. I never knew that your body gives you problems. Because whenever we go to SU, it's good, boom, but for the first two hours of confession, hey, the sins that you can't remember, cry, you must remember. To confess. And Holy Ghost baptism, the people who led me in Holy Ghost baptism, they took me to the Wesley Girls' Vestry. I said, Adelaide, confess your sins before the Holy Ghost can come. It's okay. Oh, God, I thought. This girl asked me for Tina, but I didn't give her. This one did this, I didn't this, and this. I thought about all my sins, and I prayed. Then they said, Holy Ghost, come now. I didn't speak with her. I said, Adelaide, look, delve into your life. Maybe, I tell you, we were there for like five hours. Lack of knowledge. At the end of the meeting, I wasn't encouraged. I was disappointed. Because what is the sin that God is seeing that he's not given this Holy Spirit? And then later, when I look back, I saw that I actually even spoke in tongues. But they didn't tell me that that's it. Speak it, that's it. They said, Adelaide, 
The Lord is speaking to you. Examine yourself. Whether you are in the faith. Whether you are in... Look. Then I'll get down again. Oh, Jesus. If there's anything I'm not seeing, but you are seeing, cleanse me. So when I, by the time I got to the university, I did not speak in tongues. I did not want to. I didn't want anything to do with tongues. This thing that when you venture, all oh, your sins cannot be... I, I didn't want to. So again, I met Bishop Dagi with Mill. He said, do you speak in tongues? I said, speak in tongues? No. He said, I mean, have you been baptized? I said, yes. Why don't you speak in tongues? I don't. I didn't want to go into that whole story. I don't. Okay, sister Adelaide. So why don't you start by every five, every day you speak in tongues for five minutes for this week. So I did. Then I met him again. He said, so this week, why don't we go up to 10, then 15, then 25, then, then today ours. Amen. And so please, don't try to be perfect. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a work of the flesh. Your effort. Your, it's not by might, nor by power. It's not by kappa. So allow yourself. Just fall in love with Jesus. When you make a mistake, allow God to cleanse you. He knows your heart, but you love him. And then allow him to work on you. Amen. Finally. Giving out envelopes for those who were not here yesterday. Oh, reminder. If you have been told by a man of God who, who apparently is one of your spiritual fathers that you should not marry this brother because of some fierce and sudden revelations he has had about the relationship, should you go ahead and marry the person, especially when the other spiritual fathers are okay with it? How many spiritual fathers do you have? Because even Paul said you don't have many fathers, but you know. You have many at the same time. You see, and also I think that we get confused about prophecy. People prophesy to us, you're not supposed to marry this person. You're not, but the Bible says, test every spirit and see whether it's of God. Do you see? So you have to test what is the person is telling you. You have to descend spiritually. You have to descend even by wisdom that, why is he saying don't marry this brother? Because he has fears. And what are those fears? What are the sudden fears? And also when he gives you the vision, what is the interpretation of the vision? Because people get carried along with the prophetic that they miss out on God's blessing. The Bible also says in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. So if your other fathers don't see it, then maybe, and you yourself, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? You need a confirmation. And pray to God. God, if it's really so, open my eyes. But the church is so confused because of all sorts of prophetic words. You see, once when I was young, I was, I don't think, I had gone to the university. And my mother had some problem with her knee or whatever. And her mother had just died. And she said her mother's symptoms started with her leg. So my mother became very frightened. And I gave her Kenneth Hagen books, things to read. She read it, but she was still terrified. And she told me a friend had shown her a priest. So she went to bring the priest one evening. And she said, the priest is now coming to live in this house. <laughs> then I said, hey, I wasn't even there. I was upstairs. So my father called, mommy, they said the priest is coming to live in this house. So I went downstairs and I asked the priest, so why are you coming to live here? Said, oh, to afford divine protection. I said, no. But the Bible says the Lord comes round about us and delivers us. The presence of the Lord is everywhere. So why is it that it's you? Then he asked my father, 
This is your child. <laughs> she goes to SUA. My father said, That's what those people, false doctrine. <laughs> so, anyway, eventually he didn't live in the house and he left. Then somebody invited her to a prophetess. So she came back with the prophet. She said, The prophetess says that when I get up, I should say some 21, some 27, some 31. Then I should turn around like this and throw a coin. My mother was educated, I tell you. Highly educated. So I said, No, God doesn't answer prayer because you have prayed over a coin and you are going to do it. Eh, you, you are a child. What do you know? What did she said? And even the woman wants to see you. I said, Me. The person wants to see me. So I'm not going anywhere. So why don't you why, why don't you want to hear a prophecy about what God is saying? I said that no. Whatever God is saying is in the Bible. In him, the promises of God are here and amen. Yeah, you'll be there. You see, the man said that the SU people, you are, you know. So anyway, one day she told me, early in the morning, up, we are going to buy fish. So I also got ready, we got into the car. and went to second day the next time, not knowing that's where the prophetess is. So before we we'll go to the beach, my mother drives me into this woman. Hey, very fair, big, angelic-looking woman in white. And she comes very soft-spoken. Come inside. So we go. And the first consult, uh, consultation is with my mother. So my mother goes in. And when she comes, she's smiling. The woman has only good things to say. It's your turn now. I said, I'm not going anywhere. Hey, you won't go. She's coming out. I said, she should come. I'm not going anywhere. I know what God has said. What I'm not going anywhere. So as we were talking, then the woman came. Then my mother said, she said she won't go. So I'm I'm Then the woman said, oh, it's okay. So when we started, like, my mother said, hey, the woman, she even saw a vision about you. I didn't mind it. Then she said, hmm. She said that she has seen you. You are married to some nice man. And she even saw you cutting a wedding cake. In fact, she wanted to tell you more about the future. I said, I know already. She said, how do you know already? I said, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give me a plan. So what this woman is saying, don't you think that God has told me long ago. And also, people have a familiar spirit. That is why when Saul went to that woman, she was able to tell him things about himself. It's a familiar spirit. It is not the spirit of God. And her leg didn't get healed. Then, at a point, she couldn't even walk. And one day, my father had gone out. She was reading Kenneth Hagen. And something just came into her leg. My mother got healed in camp. And she was crying. I was downstairs. I didn't know. So when my father came, my father started to call me. Mommy, mommy, mommy. So I went up. When I went, my father said, You see, she's going to call this man to come to the boys' quarters and all these type of things. Now she says she too. When I asked my mother, she was crying. I said, why are you crying? She said, I feel sad that I didn't believe the simple things that God was saying. I didn't believe, but the complicated things. So I said, so now are you going to call them? Hey, no, 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 I don't want to say that. So some of these prophecies say, lead us, lead us, lead us. I mean, God does give prophecies, but not to control you, it's to guide you. The Holy Spirit guides, it talks quietly and gently, it does not control and take over. That is not the Holy Spirit. It is another spirit, but it will tell you the truth. Because it's a familiar spirit. In fact, I have a, a message on types of women. One of it is the woman with the familiar spirit. So we should get that one too. I don't know if you remember all the titles. But God bless us. It's over. <laughs> Thank you.
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.